Welcome back to Parallel Wars Podcast, listeners. Sadly, due to technical difficulties, TM, 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 we lost the audio for our second session. Not to worry, though, we here at Parallel Worlds Magazine are storytellers at heart, so we're going to summarize what happened in the story that you missed, so you can hop right back in the action with us with session three. Our heroes arrived at Garadin City with the other liberated prisoners and the benefactors, the mysterious sect who rescued them from the edge of the crumbling world. From a long way off, they saw the glowing shape of the Elevar Spire, a massive crystal tower of unknown origin that stretches up to the heavens. The spire is lit from within by glowing conjoined crystals, which cause it to slowly change colour like a lava lamp. The city is split into three sections. The first is the core city, which is filled with religious organisations and pilgrimage sites. The next section is the inner city, which is further divided into the noble's ring, the seller's ring and the servant's ring. The noble's ring is full of towering mansions which stretch as far into the sky as possible, attempting to imitate the majesty of the Elevar spire. The seller's ring is divided into quadrants, the Carnival Quarter, the Arcana Quarter, the Dining Quarter, and the Decor Quarter, and competition is fierce amongst the merchant class. The Servant's Ring is home to the city's working folk, and they live in what we would consider a comfortable middle-class lifestyle, though some portions of it have fallen into poverty and become slums. Finally, the third major section of the city is called the Outer Boroughs, and it's basically a giant refugee camp full of people who fled the destruction of their homelands. The boroughs are a disorganised mess of tents and huts that merchants have to send armoured convoys through to bring their goods in. Garadin City overall is governed by the ruling temple of Denir, god of writing, and overseen by a council of five ministers. The city has its own security force, the Garadin Garrison, or Garries for short, the ninth ruling archmage, Ajpi, to whom the party hopes to speak, is something of a figurehead leader. He occasionally speaks out on behalf of the people, but largely remains in his modest tower on the outer edge of the noble's ring. The party followed Stimplewimple Twiddletwigs, who explained that he was Ajpi's apprentice, into the city. They didn't have a particularly welcome reception, particularly once they reached the noble's ring, but they eventually reached Ajpi's tower. They were received by Ajpi's goblin maid, Mrs. Tin, who seemed to the party to be, shall we say, irreverent. She introduced them to Ajpi, a dark-skinned human man with an emaciated appearance, carrying a mythical staff and floating inside what was basically a massive conical library. The Archmage greeted the party and listened to Bersaias describe an old, abandoned temple he had found along with an inscription. The inscription depicted some kind of projectile slamming into the ground, creating an explosion. The Archmage revealed that he had records of similar drawings and asked that the party uh, help him find out more. He requested that they perform a task for him to prove their trustworthiness. Upon securing their assignment, he explained that the cult named Red Truth, who believed that the world's end was proper and ought to be hastened, is in town, and has called an assembly of mercenaries. He charged them to attend this meeting disguised as mercenaries, figure out what their purpose was, and report back. He gave them a letter which they could use to pass themselves off as being invited, and decided to name the group No Affinity. The party headed for the meeting place behind an abandoned tavern called the Lonely Heart. They met a couple of other groups of mercenaries and listened to the head of the local Red Truth, a man named Speaker Ryan. 
Ryan beseeched the party and the other mercenary groups to set aside their disregard for religion and seek out a glowing white gemstone about the size of a thumbnail that he had seen in a vision. He promised that the ones who returned with it would be rewarded and said it had been seen in the possession of a thug named the Horned Horror. The Horror had terrible beasts in his service, though that the mercenaries would need to overcome to receive, retrieve the gemstone. So Brother Ryan called on each mercenary group, one by one, to face one of these beasts which the Red Truth had captured. As one group of mercenaries entered a kind of battle cage, the monster flung itself at them and began tearing them apart. Our heroes, not liking their odds against such a creature, chose to attack the Red Truth members, hoping the remaining mercenaries would assist them in self-defense. During the combat, the monster broke free of the cage and attacked the Red Truth cultist, tearing out the heart of one with razor-sharp talons. It was a terrible creature with the head of a stag and the lower body of a bird of prey. Having carved out the heart of a man, it fled out into the city. Our heroes and the remaining mercenaries finished off the rest of the Red Truth and took Speaker Ryan prisoner with a set of Barsias's thorny manacles. They brought him into the Lonely Heart Tavern and interrogated him as to where his knowledge of the Horned Horror's gemstone had come. Ryan said it had been revealed to him in a vision, as had his certain knowledge that the gods desired the world's end. Unsatisfied with his answers, they brought him back to Ashby. Ashby interrogated him a bit, then told the party to return the following day, as he would have answers for those that wanted answers, as well as more work. He granted the party 500 gold pieces each for their work on his behalf, although Barsayas gave his reward up and it was claimed by Cupboard. That was episode two. Now, let's find out. What happens next? Welcome back, listeners of Parallel Wars. Thank you for joining us for this episode three of The War at the End of the World. If you haven't yet, we'd like to invite you to visit our magazine website at parallelworlds.uk and also check out Parallel Worlds on DriveThruRPG. I am your dungeon master, Ben Potts. With me, I have Yana, Angus, and Tom. Last time... War at the end of the world, our heroes of no affinity came to the city of Garadin, where you met the Archmage, Ajpi. Though you didn't immediately trust him, you agreed to take on a job he requested of you, attending a meeting with the Red Truth cult. The speaker, Speaker Ryan, wished to engage you and a few other mercenaries to retrieve some kind of thumbnail-sized white gemstone. Rather than undergo their trial, you took a shortcut and attacked the cultists, defeating them and taking Speaker Ryan prisoner. You interrogated Ryan, but found his philosophy unpolished. You stuck your thorn manacles from the desert dryads on him. Uh, you brought him to Ajpi, who asked you to return the following day, whereupon he would have extracted more information from Ryan and be prepared to take a look at Bringor's unwanted mental house guest. All right, so uh, you're all level three now, uh, so you're becoming adventurers in your own right at this point. Uh, each of you has made a significant choice in terms of your character development, so let's go over those quickly. Uh, Shax, uh, Yana, you received a pact boon, a gift bestowed upon you by your patron, so why don't you tell us about that? I got Pact of the Tome, which gives me three more uh, cantrip spells. 
So I picked Guidance, Spare the Dying, and Word of Radiance. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to using all of them, hoping that I won't need to use Spare the Dying. Hopefully none of you will be dying. Guidance, I think, allows me to help someone redo the the role. I didn't understand that. Maybe I need some clarification. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so guidance. Uh, when when people make skill checks, they roll a d20 and add the relevant modifier. Um, right, but if they have the guidance one. cast on them, in addition to the d20, they can roll a d4 and they can add the number on the d4 to their their roll. Cool. Fair enough. That was the one. Yes. Um, and Word of Radiance uh, basically kind of uh, turns everyone around me of my choice. Like That's what I read. Not everyone entirely, but everyone that I choose. Turns them into ash. Everyone in whatever diameter around me. That sounds dangerous. Potential oh. fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll turn them into ash if they have less than a d6 hit points remaining. Uh, and Spare the Dying, um, obviously, if you are unconscious you're making death saving throws uh spare the dying will stabilize you so just you know it's a lot of good stuff there good stuff with the pact of the tome all right lovely uh cupboard you picked your bard subclass your college what have you got there so cupboard is now level three and he has picked a bard college he has joined the college of whispers which is well, the blurb is, at third level, you delve into the advanced techniques of a bard college of your choice. You mean they didn't have a subclass for candle making? They did not have a subclass for candle making. I think possibly Ben's suggestion of taking the artificer and then, uh, uh, or artificer, and then, and then being thematically all about candles would have made sense. But I didn't do that. I was a bard instead. So um, despite the fact that, I'm, uh, that my character is singularly unlikable. And uh, but anyway, the, the College of Whispers apparently is of the Bard's colleges is the one that's most kind of dedicated to subterfuge and misdirection and uh, stealthy things. And given that I'm small and uh, people are generally happier when they're not looking at me, being relatively stealthy seemed to make sense. And you get some abilities with that, don't you? I don't know. Um, I have got a few <laughs> abilities. I've got Psychic Blades. So when I hit a creature with a weapon attack, you, uh, I can expend one of my Bardic Inspirations to deal an extra 2d6 Psychic Damage to the target. I can only do so once per round on my turn. Uh, and I have Words of Terror, which is once per short rest, I can speak to a humanoid alone for one minute and cause it to become frightened of me or another creature of my choice. If it fails a wisdom saving throw of DC 12 for one hour or until it is or until it or its allies are attacked or damaged. If the target succeeds, it is not aware that I used this ability. So very sneaky. You can you can get somebody to be like, oh God, oh God, what are you? Yeah, what are you? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What's that candle made of? <laughs> it's more scary if he actually tells you. <laughs> 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 All right, and uh, Barsayas, tell us a little bit about your monk path, The Way yeah. of Suffering. Yeah, I've, I've joined a monastic tradition, The Way of Suffering, and basically I like getting hurt, is, the, is the, the long and the short of it. So by expending a key point, I can use my reaction to gain temporary hit points equal to the damage I just took. Also, whenever you take damage, your next attack against the attacking creature, or ability check, or whatever, um, is, is at advantage. So that sounds pretty good to me. 
Yeah, because you do take damage a lot. I do, and I'm going to take a lot more, uh, which is good. And I've also got a few other things that you get as part of the monk class, which are also going to be helpful. So I can now deflect missiles. So no one's been shooting at us yet, but I'm sure someone will. Are we expecting uh, a lot of ordnance in this campaign? I'm, I'm hoping for it now. Uh, I mean, the, the guards have you know spears that they can throw. So yeah, but that, that counts. So long as it's left to hand, I think it counts as a missile. Cool. Yeah, I feel so, like I feel like we. You've built a bard. Sorry, you've built a monk who's behaving more like a tank, and I've built a bard who's behaving more like a rogue. I, I sort of feel like we're doing a bit of the role shuffle in this. Well, no, no, no. The bards are rogues of a form. At least they used to be back in the old days. Yeah, okay. I don't know. The, the monastic traditions—they're they're new to me, to be honest. Um, the traditional monk uh, from the old D and D books was um, pretty flavorless, really. Uh, if it wasn't Bruce Lee, it didn't really count. The, 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 there's quite a lot of nice ones you can look at, but none of them really yeah, suited Barsay. My understanding, so. uh, my understanding is that fifth edition decided to change things up. Uh, there used to be these things called prestige classes, where when you reached a certain level, you could kind of specialize into a particular flavor. Uh, but in fifth edition, they changed that specialization to work with your subclass instead. Well, that's kind of going back oh, to the original D and D. Red, blue, green D and D boxes. They they used to have a, a specialization by class when you got to about fifteenth level or whatever it was, and it was mm. usually by alignment as well. So if you had a fighter, you could become a paladin if you were lawful, if, or a oh, avenger if you were evil, that kind of stuff. Mm, cool. But, yeah, mm. this is better. All right, good deal. So the four of you have scattered into the city after collecting your reward from Ajpi the Archmage. Uh, he had asked you to return the following day so that he could give Barsayas some further information and figure out what the fork is up with Bringor. Uh, Barsayas, uh, you are exploring the delightful experience of begging on the streets of Garadin. I am. Uh, I do actually have money, but I'm not using it. <laughs> no, why would you do that? In fact, I've got about five gold pieces. I'm going to give it away to other beggars. <laughs> and then I'll go and do one on Becky. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, as you might imagine, uh, um, the citizens of this uh, very wealthy city are, shall we say, diametrically opposed to the concept of beggars. Uh, you you try, I think you try begging in the nobles' ring, uh, but quickly become actually concerned for your life uh, as nobles start sending Garys after you with lethal weapons. Um, oh, right, that was quick. Yeah, that didn't take very long. Uh, so you retire, decide to uh, to pull back to the, the sellers and servants rings where you have a little bit more luck. So go ahead and make a, a charisma check to see if you manage to beg enough coin off of people to survive. I don't think that worked. <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. hungry today. You are going to go hungry today, um, which means you take one like level it. of exhaustion. I will do. Remember exhaustion? Back to my character sheet. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a um, each each place, each location has a particular flavor of begging that is appropriate to that place. And as you are a new arrival to this city, you have not yet figured out what that particular flavor of groveling at the feet of passersby is. I'm a native. I just haven't been here in a long time. Well, things have changed. And all you got for your trouble is a bunch of mud in your face and, you know, a bunch of scowling faces looking at you, which might be That's more satisfying it. than the actual coinage. Probably is, yeah. 
Well, your uh, your begging unfortunately failed. You return to the abandoned Lonely Heart Tavern, where you curl up in a corner and nurse your various injuries. Yay! It was worth it. <laughs> Definitely. Alrighty, uh, Cupboard, you are going to a tavern. Any particular flavor? You got your Common Man Tavern, you got your local Tufts Tavern, you got your musical theater taverns. What are you looking for? I'll go to a musical theater tavern. Musical theater, all right. Musical theater, yeah. You, uh, you ask around. Uh, not much call for musical theater in the Nobles Ring, but uh, as you ask around in the Sellers Ring, you manage to uh, come across a, a lovely little place called the Shepherd's Bluff. The, the sign hanging above the tavern uh, shows a young boy in shepherd's garb who's like, he's got his hands outstretched as a wolf gets closer and closer to him. So the shepherd's bluff is like, don't get close. Anyway. Nice. It's, it's a bad joke. I apologize. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it's run by a, uh, a human woman named uh, Willabess or Willie for short. Uh, Willie doesn't bat an eye at a goblin coming in and asking for a room. Uh, she just lets you know it'll be uh, a gold piece to stay the night with food and drink included, uh, or you can spend five gold pieces to stay a full 10-day. So you get a discount Ooh. for paying for a week up front. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, DM, are we are we likely to stay in the city for a long time, or are we off out again soon? I mean, that's up to you. Your, the Archmage didn't say, you know, stay in the city, I'm going to need you here. Uh, but there no, is right. quite oh, a lot going oh, on. Oh. You can I'll just pay for one night for the time being then. Uh, just the one night. That'll be relatively miserly little goblin. Fair enough. Fair enough. And last but not least, we have Shacks. Shacks, you're going out in search of a brothel, yes? Indeed. All right. Are you looking for something cheap and dirty, something fancy and clean, or something in between? I'm looking for something expensive and dirty. Expensive and dirty. <laughs> Okay. What did I tell you? <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> What's on uh, the menu? <laughs> yeah. Um, you Go on, ben. <laughs> ask around and find that the uh, tavern, the tavern that you're probably looking for, is a tavern uh, to be found. Where's my map? Hold on. Just Sorry, remember, Ben, your significant other is on a conference call in the other room, so this could go really well. <laughs> Come on, let's get weird. <laughs> I think definitely the place you're looking for can be found in the Carnival Quarter because uh, the Carnies, they like to party you find an establishment called the Naughty Rogue uh, and the Naughty Rogue is uh, well known for its uh, its employees being both very skilled and a little bit like surprising, a little bit risque in their approach to their jobs. Every time is a little bit different, you've heard. So you are sort of steered in that direction. What uh, what manner of companion would you like for them? Doesn't matter as long as you have catnip. You read me well. Yeah. First of all, it's uh, two gold pieces to, to stay for the night. Okay. Uh, and that includes companionship, that includes a bath, that includes uh, luxury food like grapes and strawberries and things like that. Stuff to keep your strength up. Okay, fair enough. Is there a show going on? Uh, there is a show going on. The show is basically always happening. 
and you're never sure where exactly the performers are. So they have this big, wide open lounge that people are sort of seated throughout. And at any second, you might just look around the, you, you might hear this sound and you look around the tavern and you see people have just busted out, you know, dancing. Uh, a pole will just drop from the ceiling and uh, people start dancing on it. You never know quite what to expect and things are always changing. Okay. Yeah, I'm up for that. Let's right. keep it PG-13. <laughs> not get into the details. <laughs> Going we won't get into the details. Going to a brothel uh, in a PG-13 game is, is, is basically, I'm just imagining Shax going into this room and then spending the entire night hugging people. Yep. <laughs> All you need to know is eventually get their own pole. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, um, it, it's actually called the Naughty Rogue because, as we all know, rogues are very good at hugging. Whenever you feel, whenever you are hugged by a rogue, you feel very loved and safe, and that all of your values are much lighter than you did before. Yes, yes, much lighter. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's very true. All right, so uh, Shax has a, a lovely evening of hugging and uh, probably some interesting noises involved. Alrighty, um, anybody need to do some shopping in the interim between? Nope. Uh, nope. No shopping needed. Good deal. You go ahead and take that long rest, and the next morning you head back to Ajpi's tower. Uh, Mrs. Tin meets you at the door and brings you in. Uh, her whole head is just completely covered in some kind of like gold dust or ash or something, uh, which she doesn't seem to mind. She you know licks her lips and her tongue comes away covered in this black stuff, and she doesn't even seem to notice. Uh, she shows you into Ajpi's study. Uh, this time he's only hovering a couple of feet above the floor, uh, just drifting around, uh, setting up candles and equidistant points around the room. These candles smell kind of nasty, like animal scat. Uh, it's not great. But he greets you all and he says, Thank you for returning. There is much to accomplish and little time with which to do it. But first, I believe I owe you some answers to questions. He nods to Bringor. Uh, and he says, I've prepared a ritual that should enable you to speak to your mental guest directly as well as better determine its origin and purpose. With your permission, I'll have you stay behind when your friends leave, and we'll go ahead and do that. And Bringor just nods and grunts. <clears throat> Sounds fine. Good, then. Ajpi turns towards Barsayas. Now... You wished for answers as to the reason the edge of the world is crumbling away. I regret to say that there are creatures alive that have a definitive answer. The gods may know, but they refuse to speak of it to their followers. Even the high priests, going all the way back to the founding of the city, have received no replies to their queries. That said, there are various scriptures and doctrines that theorize as to the origin of the world's edge. I don't doubt that you've read many of them. I can't say I've read very many of them at all. I've been spending most of my time meditating on the matter rather than reading books. Which is why I need someone as learned as yourself. I see. I tend to think as existing theories and mythology go, none of them can be completely accurate. So I will only take up your time with what we can know for certain. As long as historical records show, our world has had a physical boundary beyond which 
lies this rainbow-hued endless void. And any who descend beyond a certain level into that void do not return. Even those that dip slightly into the void often return changed, with their minds warped and turned to insanity. Therefore we do not know what lies at the bottom of this void, despite many expeditions comprised of powerful mages having delved down into it. Approximately a century ago, the edge began to constrict. The dirt and earth beneath us crumbles away from the outside in, and all structures and organisms upon it fall with it. I don't know its cause, but we know that the speed of this ruin accelerates further as the circumference of the remaining landmass narrows. There have been stories resembling hearsay that claim that the erosion is sporadic. In some places, the world contracts suddenly faster for a time before returning to its normal pace. I have not seen evidence of this myself, but I have heard reports from individuals that I trust. This might indicate that some portions of the lands being destroyed are of different thickness or sturdiness than others, or it could be indicative of some kind of conscious force directing the disintegration of our world. In any case, as the destruction accelerates, we believe the complete loss of the world's landmass may occur within the next year. All of this is more or less public knowledge, and not why you have come to me. This tablet that you have found, and the illustration upon it, they point to information that is not known by any scholars or record keepers of note anywhere. He, uh, he floats up a few uh, levels and plucks something from the bookshelves. Uh, and you notice he uses a glowing green uh, arcane mage hand. Uh, and at first you think he's pulled a single sheet of paper. But as he lowers down and gingerly shifts uh, this object in his mage hand, realize that he's holding a very slender unbound book with no more than three or four pages and he mutters something and he sets it down on an invisible surface and beckons you over to join him uh you see faded almost invisible text set in a language you don't recognize uh instead of being laid out in straight lines it seems to be laid out in diagonals which is interesting and not a technique that you've seen you also see a couple of equally faded illustrations, which seem to depict a similar scene to the inscription that you found on the tablet. It indicates the writing, and he says, This language is not to be found anywhere. There are none alive who speak it, and none that can remember its name. I have translated it by hand, found it to be a far more elegant and refined tongue than any spoken today, even among elvenkind. The first archmage uncovered these writings in a vision, hard-fought, snatched from an extraplanar entity. Paid a heavy price to get it, was driven to utter madness. The record was nearly lost and would have been, along with many thousands of lives, if her successor had not killed her in a duel. But the writings speak of a great impact that shattered the world, shattered cities, and shattered people. Your discovery of the inscription that you showed to me confirms some of my theories. I believe that this writing and these inscriptions indicate the presence of a society that existed so long ago there are no records left of them. 
the image seems to indicate a collision of some sort of large mass. And this is a working theory, with little empirical evidence behind it, but I believe that at one point, our world was quite different. Namely, it had no edge to it. It simply went on and on, and one end conjoined to the other, as you might find with a rolled-up scroll, perhaps. Then some manner of catastrophe, illustrated here, occurred. Some sort of eruption of energy or magic tore the world from its foundations and hurled it apart from its base, setting us adrift in a void and utterly destroying all cultures that had existed before. What that impact might have been, I know not, but there are a few things that I believe we can know. The first is that there are scant few artifacts from that time. One of them is the Cobsey Heirloom, which is held by the venerable Cobsey family in their manor within this very city. It is a necklace comprised of some unknown substance kept contained within their most secret vault. Another is the mythical Staff of the Magi, which is lost to time. And the third, he holds up a hand, and again, you see an illusory image of the white gemstone that Brother Ryan showed you yesterday. This item has no known name, but after several months of research, I'm confident that it originates from the same source as the Elevar Spire at the center of our city. I believe it to be an artifact from this past era. We have little time before our world comes to an end, but before it does so, I believe we must accumulate as many of these items as we can to understand what is behind the rupturing of the world, whether it is possible or even benevolent to stop it. To that end, I have another task for you, no affinity. And he uh, carefully returns the ancient book to its place on the shelf, uh, and then opens a drawer, and he withdraws a flyer. Well, I can't actually read the text on it very well. Uh, the flyer is slightly sticky. It says, covered in greasy fingerprint stains. It reads, come one and all to the Flex and Stand Festival. A Flex and Honor Strand. Your- Flex and Strand Festival. Honor your friendly gnomish gods with food, games, and wholesome dot dot dot. Who are you kidding? Get over here. And there's a picture of what I assume is a a gnomish girl with a spellbook and a a wisp of flame in the other hand running. Uh, You take this flyer and as you look over it, uh, Ashby says, Brother Ryan and the Red Truth uh, learned of this white gem I have spoken of as well as the identity of its holder. They seem to have some inkling of the gem's origins as well, though the leaders of the organization chose not to share that information with Brother Ryan. If what I have learned is correct, the gem was retrieved by a mercenary named the Horned Horror, who found it by exploring a long-abandoned lich's tomb. Knowing what I do about this Horned Horror, I believe this to be a find of luck, not skill. He is a paltry sort of mercenary. Significant by the Red Truth standards, but not so much by mine. Nonetheless, he is wily. He knows he holds an artifact of great power, and if I should move to attempt to find him, I believe he will disappear. However, I have managed to learn his current location. The Horned Horror is hiding out uh, somewhere at the Flaxenstrand Festival in the Carnival Quarter. I would like for the lot of you to infiltrate this festival, find the horror, and retrieve the gemstone. 
In exchange for doing so, I will grant each of you a magical item from my collection. In addition, we will have come one step closer to understanding our world's origins and its fate. What say you, no affinity? I say we should go look for the Horned Horror. What I mean, I do want a magical now? item, so I'm up for it. I have no need for magical items. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're doing <laughs> this again, are we? <laughs> we'll have his, we'll his, his magical items. What, what does he look like, this horny bloke? Uh, he seems to be of uh, human stature, approximately six feet or so. Uh, muscular, wears a helmet that obscures his face, uh, but has um, antlers protruding from it, from the front, uh, in a rather distinctive way. Uh, he may have removed that equipment to better disguise himself, in which case you may have a more difficult time finding him. That is the best information I have been able to acquire. Although, when he uh, reaches into the folds of his robe and he withdraws, um, this uh, tiny uh, silver uh, cage, uh, just uh, like it would hold a bird in, but much smaller. Uh, and he hands across the cage to Barsias. What is this cage useful for? Uh, so as he hands you the cage, um, are, you, are you looking at it closely or? Oh, fascinating. Yeah, you, you hold the cage up uh, and you see, you, you look into it and you can see something inside of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of hard to make out, but you see some kind of figure that seems to be kind of clutching at the bars of the cage. Uh, Ajp says, this is a, uh, a tool. It's been somewhat used up, but uh, there are, I believe, three times you should be able to exploit it. You can... Uh, vigor from it, you can ask it a question, or you can borrow experience from it. Uh, so in game terms, um, this is uh, a, a spell has been cast on this cage, uh, mm -hmm. and there are three uses left of this spell. Uh, yeah. You can uh, use it in three different ways. You can use a bonus action to drain vigor from it to regain 2d8 hit points. Mm -hmm. uh, you can ask the inhabitant of the cage a question, uh, no action required, and receive a brief telepathic answer, which you can understand regardless of the language used. It must answer you truthfully and to the best of its ability. The answer is no more than a sentence or two and might be cryptic. Uh, then you can borrow experience. You can use a bonus action to bolster yourself, uh, making your next attack roll, ability check, or saving throw with advantage. Uh, but you must use the benefit before the start of your next turn. Okay. That could be useful. Yes. The only problem is, to the best of its, its knowledge, it might know Indeed. nothing about what we ask it. Sounds like phone a friend off who wants to be a millionaire. That is potentially possible. Nice. Uh, Let's go to the festival. All right. Uh, oh, we need to find out what this horny dude looks like. <laughs> yes, uh, you've sent <laughs> us to find someone, the only <laughs> description of which is basically he often horny. wears the hat. <laughs> Uh, you also know, uh, and I guess he'll reiterate, um, you, you also, uh, I believe, came across one of the beasts uh, that the horror uses. Yes, um, they're called peritons. Uh, it's uh, spelled P-E-R-Y-T-O-N. A uh, creature with the, um, the, the head and neck of a stag and the body of a bird of prey. 
Um, nice. They're pretty distinctive, and the horned horror is uh, notorious for using him, or, or excuse me, for using them in uh, exploration, uh, attack, defense, uh, all of those sorts of things. So if you can find paratons, you're probably on the right track. So my guess is this was the chap that the red blokes were trying to get hold of to get yes. the gem off of. So we've just we're doing it for somebody else now. Okay. Very good. Uh, as your your beefy friend Bringor will be remaining here, I have hired a companion to come along with you and act in his stead. Uh, and Ajpi uh, takes his staff, he wraps it on the floor, and a few moments later, uh, a door opens and Mrs. Tin comes in, leading a, a very beefy-looking dwarf man. Uh, the man looks at you and he grins. He's got yellowy teeth, some of which are missing. Uh, and his face is asymmetrical enough that you imagine he's had a number of broken bones in it. Uh, and Ashpi says, Mrs. Wagwar is a good-hearted fellow, but a bit's on the slow side. I have found him to be absolutely trustworthy, so long as you don't ask him to do anything too complicated. Uh, he will accompany you to the festival and keep you safe. And Wagwar uh, nods to all of you and says, Hi, friends. I'm Wagwar. You look nice. Uh, you see that he's wearing what look like bear skins, uh, and he's carrying a great axe over his shoulder. Hail Wagwar. Hail friend. All right, Giza. Unless you have any other questions for Ajpi, it's time to go to the festival. <laughs> Where'd you get them candles? <laughs> Say what now? Where'd you get them candles? Is that one of the uses of the little, little thing? Hey, where'd you get the candles? These candles, they smell a bit funny. Where'd you get them? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with the crafting of candles? <laughs> I, I just, I just, I felt, I, I just saw him and I thought, that smells a bit, it smells a bit funny, that candle. And I thought, this, this bloke, he's a discerning bloke, he's discerning enough to know that he, that he doesn't need to waste his time with it, with eyebrows. He probably, he's probably in the market for, uh, for better illumination than he's, uh, than he's currently got. So I just thought, I said to myself, you know, maybe I'd be doing him a disservice if I didn't just suggest that maybe he might want to peruse some, uh, a different candle source. For his uh, his domestic illumination needs, if you get me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love this he... comedy relief. <laughs> <laughs> the the purpose of these candles are not actually for illumination. They are ritual candles, uh, which I have crafted out of transmuted dragon blood. They will be. Uh, used in the ritual which I will be using to examine your friend here, Bringor. All right, uh, transmuted dragon blood, eh? That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, c- I mean, we could, I, c- I can do you that. I can, I can probably do them cheaper than you're getting. And and you know, we don't, we don't just do, the, we just, don't, we don't just do the illumination kind. We do the, I do some really, I do some first-rate, world-class ritualistic candles. Ninth best, they called me once. Uh, anyway, that just sounds here. lovely. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> when you return, why don't you go ahead and speak to Mrs. Tin? She will. Uh, she handles my commerce, so to speak. So speak to Mrs. Tin and uh, see what uh, you can arrange with her. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Nice to meet you. Brilliant. Good. 
It's my card Very anyway, well. and uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 I'll chat to Mrs. Tip. I'll, we'll, we'll chat. We'll chat. Yeah, you have a card. Uh, little cardboard cards. I mean, the, the cupboard cupboard has bits of card that are ripped off something and have cupboard written on them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty handy in a business card to have the name of the person who gave it to you, in case you forgot their name. Perfect. Precisely that, okay. yeah. But cupboard has no fixed address, and telephony doesn't exist in this universe, so there's actually nothing else I can put on the card. Um, Ajpi uh, kind of uh, plucks the uh, the card from her hand, holding it between his thumb and forefinger, and he says, "I shall shall hold on to this very well, very good, good. very good, excellent." Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think, I think we should get underway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mrs. Tin ushers you all out. You are free to head to the Flaxen Strand Festival in the Carnival District. Um, okay. <clears throat> all right. Uh, if any of you would like, you can make a uh, history check to uh, figure out what you know about uh, said Flaxen Strand Festival. I may it as is well. a bit it of an institution. Really horribly bad. Look oh, at my goodness. Look at that. I've got a six. Holy cow. <laughs> You need I'm, a new I'm in a dice dice territory again. A native of the city, where the festival has taken place for the last 700 years, has no idea what it is. Uh, clearly, I've never been too busy clearly, self-congulating. Uh, Cupboard the, the Goblin and uh, Shax the Tabaxi, uh, neither of which are natives, um, know exactly about the Flax and Strand Festival, and I'll just read you all of my notes. Uh, they clearly so, read the tourist information? Clearly, you must have picked up a yeah. brochure or something. We we read the we read the brochure on the way in. We read the pamphlet, like. There you go. There you go. There was a there was a fellow selling pamphlets on the corner, and you nicked a couple and you read them. <laughs> so the Flaxen Strand Festival, uh, it's a traditional annual celebration uh, going back hundreds of years, uh, in celebration of the uh, gnome goddess uh, Shayana Flaxenstrand. Uh, and she is the deity of, uh, in the Gnomish pantheon, she's the deity of love, beauty, and passion. Uh, so for most of the history of this festival, it was really, really uh, intense. Uh, it was multiple days of rampant orgies, just orgies all over the place. Uh, some BDM, I BDSM stuff. I think in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really intense. Uh, in honor of, you know, just sort of wild abandon and fun and enjoyment. Uh, although there are definitely years that it was, it was, it had a little bit of more of a malicious flavor to it. Uh, but in the past few decades, it's gone mainstream. Uh, it got kid friendly. Uh, it's got all these family attractions. It's, it's basically what Walt Disney did to fairy tales got done to this festival. How uh, did it get oh kid friendly? Uh, well, instead <laughs> of the orgies. Now they have festival attractions and <laughs> snacks and games and things like that. Uh, <laughs> so there are quite a lot of people who um, advocate <laughs> passionately for like the festival to return too. to its roots. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. But as of now, it's basically, you know, it's Walt Disney. Now, uh, um, I, I read the pamphlet on the way in, and uh, I've got to say that it doesn't sound like this festival is as fun as it used to be. Like... You know, I'm all for I'm all for going and seeing some culture, like. But uh, I've got to say that my understanding of the way that this festival's changed over the years indicates that if we had come here sort of, you know, eight to ten years ago, we'd have probably had a much more fun time. I think. 
I have to take your word for it because I've got no clue what you're talking about. Aguar says, "Is it too mainstream for you now? Covered? Yeah, it's been rude. It's too commercialized. It's, it's, it's too commercialized. It's too, too vanilla." <laughs> uh, Wagwar says, "I like fun." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, I like this black. <laughs> It's good that he's given us a furniture porter. He'll be very useful. <laughs> we well, can use him, right. we can use him as a beer map. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Shax is able to... Uh, actually, because Shax uh, had rooms in the carnival quarter last night. So Shax is able to lead you at least part of the way. Uh, and there are... been here. She's been here hugging all night, hasn't she? Did you see a horny bloke last night when you were here? <laughs> a few, yeah. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? <laughs> With the horns on his head. Uh, no, <laughs> not that type. All right. Um, you do see, uh, you see, like posters that are plastered on the signs of buildings uh, that look kind of like your flyers that have this uh, this gnomish figure uh, running away from uh, shadowy shapes. Uh, directing you toward the festival. And as you approach the gate, uh, you see um, it's uh, a, a temporary, it's, it's been set up in kind of a park. Uh, so you've got the, the wide open gate uh, with um, a, per, a person standing at the, the door and he is uh, taking uh, uh, tolls from uh, visitors as they come in. Uh, inside, you can see a variety of tents that are uh, spread out, some of them stretching uh, tall up into the sky. Uh, as you draw closer, uh, you hear screaming sounds, and suddenly you see um, what looks like a giant glass ball just fly up into the air and start flying off over the city. Like it just, this big old glass ball just got flung out of the festival uh, onto the rooftops, which seems kind of wild. As you get close to the gate, <laughs> yeah, uh, Shax, uh, there's kind of a you get jostled a little bit uh, as this uh, little street urchin, uh, this human street urchin, uh, kind of nudges past you, and he streaks up uh, past you guys up to the guard standing at the gate, uh, and he he leans up and he starts whispering in the guy's ear, and the guy kind of like swats at the kid a little bit, but then he stops and he listens. And he nods, and then the kid uh, runs off into the festival. Uh, Oi, kid, so, check your pockets. I would check your pockets if I were you. Of course, you've been divested of valuables. Okay. Yeah, they're talking yeah. to you. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, okay. Check my pockets. I love them. You, uh, you pat yourself down. Uh, your, your purse is still there. Your coins all seem to be still there. You don't seem to be missing anything. Okay. Have you acquired anything? We didn't have before. Uh, you, you, you don't think that you've acquired anything. Okay. Uh, but as you as you go up to the gate, uh, there's uh, there's this man there. He's got a heavy beard uh, that is black with just kind of a streak of white uh, down the chin. Looks you guys up and Very down. Flexible. Does the work in the jaw kind of thing, and he says, "All right, there's <clears throat> fifty gold points to enter." 50 oh, gold coins. coins? Are you having a laugh? 50 gold pieces. You're off, mate. Oh, it's 50 gold pieces per person. Don't you know this is the Flax and Strand Festival? It's a free love. Doesn't sound very free to me. 
Oi, uh, what about what about discount? I'm a, discount. a notarized beggar. I'm allowed to go wherever I like, and I don't have any money. I'm supposed to beg in here. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's how it works. I, I, I think it is. It's, it, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'm supposed to be able to go into here and, and to beg. You're trying to cut me off from my livelihood. What he, are you thinking? He's a, he's a beggar. We're his handlers. Uh, we've got. We've got I'm to go with him to, to make sure he's all right. He uh he kind of looks you over, um his eyes linger on Barstein's a little bit. Yeah, uh he his eyes linger a little bit more on Shaxx and he says, "Yeah, I think y'all are just being cheapskates. I mean, this is the best you know festival in the world or whatever. Only comes around once a year. It's fifty gold pieces to get in." But I'm one of the acts. And the acts are you? I am. I'm. Go ahead and make a deception check. And, and so is she. Deception check. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> and remember, you're exhausted, so you have disadvantage. Oh, great. Well, there's a 10 so far. Let's try that. Uh, deception again. Mm. Oh, okay, 10 so and 18. So that's a 10. It is a 10. It's like your dice are working. It's a 10. He, uh, he kind of grins, and you can see that he has uh, his top two teeth are just gold teeth. Uh, and he says... Oh, the act. That's the laugh riot, that is. You're a little bit too tall to be acting, I think. Can I, can I cast Charm Purser on him? That's what I'm uh, yeah. for as well. Uh, that's a wisdom saving throw, right? You attempt to charm a humanoid you can see within range. It must make a wisdom saving throw and does so with advantage if you or your companions are fighting it. If it, sa- if not it fails the saving throw, it is charmed by you until the spell ends or until you or your companions do anything harmful to it. The charmed creature regards you as a friendly acquaintance. When the spell ends, the creature the creature knows it was charmed by you. Yeah. All right. Well, he rolled a four, uh, and that's not going to do it. So uh, as you cast this spell, <clears throat> uh, you see his eyes kind of glaze over for a second, and he focuses on cupboard, and he's like, "Oh, oh, mate, I'm so sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to. If I had known that you guys were coming, I would have." But I just sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's a gold, it's a ten silver. That's all right, mate. Hey, mistakes happen. That's all right. All right, fellas, we can we can stump up that, can't we? Oi, um, Wagyar, can you uh, can you can you can you uh, stump us this? Do you reckon? Uh, Wagwar says, uh, yes, I can pay the money, and he uh, reaches into a pocket a uh pulls the pocket out, uh, turns it inside out, and there's nothing in it. He reaches into another pocket, turns it inside out, and there's nothing in it. Then he reaches into like a, a vest pocket, starts pulling at it, and uh, it comes uh, a piece of fluff comes out of the pocket, and he's like, I left my wallet at home. Ah, oh, Pit really gave us the pick of the bunch, didn't he, with this one? <laughs> We could probably just climb the fence. It'd be a lot quicker. Who's got any money on him? Oi, Kit Kat, have you got any money on you? Yeah, I do, I do. Fair oh, enough. Go on. Just, yeah, just stump it. Don't, don't you have a bunch of money in cupboard? Didn't you get like a thousand <laughs> gold pieces last time, mate? <laughs> oh, yeah, don't don't be so grasping, Kit Kat. The, the guard uh, <laughs> gives you like a, he's like, oh, a thousand gold pieces, nice. And he kind of thumps you on the shoulder. <laughs> sure. That's what a spot of good fortune it is. Yeah, thanks, mate. 
It was pretty hard earned, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Sold a lot of candles for that. Yeah. Did some hard selling. <laughs> some tough selling. I'm going into uh, I'm going into ritualistic candles these days. You know, <laughs> illumination. It's not it's not about illumination anymore. That's that's uh, <laughs> That's uh, that's old hat. That is. It's all these days. Uh, it's all about ritualistic candles, you know. Which apparently they don't even need to make things light. They just need to smell weird. <laughs> it's a new, it's a new market that I'm branching out into. I'm diversifying, mate. <laughs> Expanding the business. Yeah, I'm branching, branching out into out. new markets. <laughs> Oh, right All right, covered. <laughs> Since you're such a good businessman, let's pay half half. Let's get in. Oh, all right, Kit Kat, you drive a hard bargain, don't you? All right, here's uh, uh, here's two gold, and that's for me and uh, and the um and the snow globe here. <laughs> snow globe. Which one is the snow globe? <laughs> Which is the snow globe? <laughs> <laughs> Snow Globe is going to be my my shorthand name for Wagyar from now on. <laughs> uh, Wagwar says, "I like snow and globes." Yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, you're quite a chatterbox, aren't you? So, uh, I believe two gold pieces have been paid of the four gold piece total that is required. Okay, give you two more gold pieces. All right. Thank I you very it. much. I have no gold. We know. We know. We know. You you make a point of it quite often. We we've noticed. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to jump the fence with windstep, but hey. <laughs> uh, as you all enter, you hand over your gold coin and enter into the Flaxen Strand Festival. Okay. And Where I'm would I get to find this horny person? Oh, there's a pie-eating oh. tent. Look at that. Look, there's a pie-eating tent. There is a pie-eating tent. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Vino's House of Scares. That sounds like it could be fun. My mind flare token. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so you can click on and move the mind flare token uh, anywhere you want. Uh, just so for the sake of our listeners, uh, you uh, see basically this big old public park. So you have uh, you have this big old walkabout uh, path, uh, and on the outside of each of uh, uh, on the outside of the walkabout path, you see a number of attractions, mostly huts and tents, uh, temporary buildings that have been set up for the purpose of the Flaxen Strand Festival. At the diagonal corners, also you see tents that look to have been set up to house uh, garrisons of uh, Garys of the guards. Uh, so you got your Gary Post uh, over here in the southeast and the northwest. Um, and then in clockwise order, uh, you have a, uh, a snacks booth. Uh, you have Dobuloy's game hut. Uh, you have Madame Green Bear's tent. Can, uh, sorry, you have, what is in Dobuloy's game hut? I think we'll have to go and find out. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah so you got I'm, I'm more interested in Vino's House of Scares. Um, you got Slicky's Old Town Tent. Uh, you've got Vino's House of Scares, as Barsias has noted. Uh, you have a big old circus tent uh, at the opposite side of the park from you. Uh, you have Posse's Racing Ring. Uh, you have the Pie Eating Tent. You have uh, Hanabasi's Riding Row. Uh, and then in the center of this walkabout, uh, you have this enormous uh, raised platform. 
uh, with a, a flag flying overhead that reads Mogillon's Magnificent Mechanical Marvels. Uh, and you can hear sounds of like, and you can see smoke uh, rising up from this platform uh, from a distance. So it looks like there's some interesting stuff going on up there. Well, my thought is we might find this person, given he's a trainer of animals in the circus tent, or it might be that the animals are quite scary, in which case he might be in the house of scares, or he might be peckish, in which case there's the pie-eating tent. He's, prob he's probably peckish. He's probably most definitely in the pie-eating tent, and we should definitely go there first. You uh, Well, first of all, uh, the... Um... The, the flavor is, is very lively. Kids and parents, there are a lot of kids and parents uh, groups that are walking around. Uh, some of the kids are carrying like prizes. You see like balloons and stuffed animals and, you know, things of that sort. You do see uh, some individuals that are there not with kids. Uh, they seem to be heading uh, more over to the back of the park to, you know, like the, the old town tent, uh, the racing ring, the pie eating tent, things of that sort. Um, but you see all kinds, uh, humans, uh, elves, dwarves, predominantly gnomes, because, you know, this is sort of a, a gnomish cultural heritage thing. Uh, but you see all kinds isn't of... isn't a gnome, is he? Uh, no, uh, you were told that he is of human stature. Yeah, Tom. Could be a bunch of gnomes in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Can we see anybody wearing right. a mitt with antlers on it? Uh, make a perception check. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a little hint to Shax. Now would be a good time to cast one of your new cantrips on your goblin friend. Yeah, um, before that uh, dice roll hits the table. My, my perception check was <gasps> underwhelming. Which one? You, you got a... Guidance. Yeah. The guidance one, yeah. All right. Give me some of that sweet, sweet guidance. All right, you can roll an extra d4 there, Cupboard. There you go. Ten. Uh, seven plus three for a total of ten. So uh, as you look around, uh, you don't uh, notice anybody wearing sort of the kind of equipment that it was described. All right. So uh, I've used my deduction skills, and I, uh, I've, I reckon I've, uh, I've deduced. You also, I, I should say, you also don't have a, a great uh, line of sight from where you are on the ground because everybody here is taller than you. Even the gnomes are taller than you. Is there a place where I can get elevation? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you could climb some of the tents. Some of the tents are definitely bigger than others. Uh, the Magnificent Marvels platform is elevated. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you could somehow get up there, you might have a, a better view. Uh, or you notice, uh, you look over at the riding row tent, and mm -hmm. uh, you notice that people uh, in the, the riding row tent, it's actually more of an open air thing. I don't know why mm -hmm. I called it a tent, but it's got like these... Uh, canvas walls, and then people will get into these spheres, and then the spheres are flung up into the air. So, you know, theoretically, you could get a, a higher vantage point by getting inside one of those spheres. That does sound like absolute idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say either, either, he's, either he's standing behind something, uh, in which case I can't see him, or he's not here... Or, or maybe he's crouching down so he can't be seen behind the gnomes. Oh, yeah, all that. Or he's taken his helmet off, which indicates to me that we might be dealing with a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're more likely to spot the creatures <laughs> that he uses. And I think um, if I were to get some elevation, say, from the top of the magnificent Mechanical Marvels tent, um, would this be a good opportunity to use wind step and just uh, nip step the wind? 
Step of the wind, yeah, and just straight up beside the tent to stand on top of it somewhere. Uh, I mean, you could. That would that would probably help. Uh, you are exhausted from your failed becking, <laughs> so you would have disadvantage on any athletics check to climb. I'm what do also jump? don't. Yeah, I mean, it, you could def- definitely give it a shot. Okay, let's give it a shot. I'll knock All off right. one key point, and I shall make an. Oh, is it acrobatics or athletics? It doesn't matter. They're both the same as far as I'm concerned. Do you prefer one or the other? Uh, yeah, go ahead and do athletics. Okay. Uh, which tent are you trying to climb? Uh, Magnificent Marvels. Oh, okay. Nice rolls. That's more Ooh. of a stage platform. That, uh, uh, but anything gives me height on a gantry that I can, I can have a look down on. Bloody hell, yeah. 21 is my, my lowest roll. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> That's Only with dice work this well in combat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you move so, up to the uh, Magnificent Marvels uh, stage, and you see there is a um, uh, a man actually uh, seems to be a, a kind of a taller gnome, uh, dressed uh, with a top hat and a cane, uh, and he is uh, riding this mechanical beast on some kind of track around the platform. Uh, and uh, this mechanical beast is emitting this kind of plume of smoke from a uh, conical uh, extrusion on the top. Uh, and it just is rolling along, along this track. And as it goes, he's saying, Behold the wondrous steam engine! It travels without a need for magic or animalistic propulsion. This device, this fantastical thing. Oh my, what are you doing up here? Uh, and Barsias, uh, as you clamber up on top of this uh, steam engine, uh, you find you are able to get a better glance of your surroundings. What so, a wonderful creation! Uh, y- y- yes! It, right it on! Is. Right on! Faster! Okay, right, right on! Yes, indeed! <laughs> um, go ahead and make uh, a perception check with advantage, which will cancel out your disadvantage, making it Ooh, just a straight roll. roll. Ooh, uh, you got an 11. Uh, wasted all those good, good rolls on your climbing. Yeah. Um, so you, you're looking around for a man in a horn helmet or uh, one of the paratons. That's right. And you do, you do not see uh, either one of them. If, if there's something in particular uh, you were, uh, one of these attractions that you were particularly interested in, you can get probably a better look from your position right now. Well, I'm interested in the House of Scares and the Circus Tent, I think. Okay. So the House of Scares uh, is uh, different from most of the other structures. The uh, other structures uh, you notice uh, are like tents or huts or things that look like they could be assembled and disassembled quickly. Uh, the House of Scares is actually uh, kind of an old log uh, construction. It uh, has a, an older uh, gnomish gentleman standing out in front with a kind of a bored expression on his face. You notice a lot of people aren't really going in that direction. And there's uh, an old faded sign on it that reads Vino's House of Scares, which is how you can tell what it is. Uh, the circus tent, uh, you notice uh, there is a big, I don't know if you've actually seen this before, uh, but there is a big uh, creature of some kind which is blocking the way to the circus tent, a creature uh, with multiple heads, and it is just blocking people from entering. Uh, it seems like uh, whatever the attraction is, it is not yet open for business, but you can uh, see there are kind of 
what what look to be flashing lights on the inside that are uh, penetrating through the cloth of the tent. Uh, and it is a, a very massive affair. Uh, think, you know, your classic big Cirque du Soleil, big old, big old location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tempted to think the circus tent is maybe where we need to go. You say, as you ride on this steam engine? Yes, yes. I think it's time for me to get off the steam engine then. <laughs> okay. It's pretty slide down when it was all about orgies. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was uh, all you about slide orgies. I'm well disappointed. You clearly haven't been to the House of Scares. <laughs> <laughs> I came here for a pie and an orgy, and they've only got a pie-eating tent. So you, you slide down off the steam engine, putting your slow fall ability to good use. You are now on the ground, uh, okay. and you can head wherever you would like. You can also talk to people that are walking around. You know, this isn't. If 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 this were a video game, they're they're not uh, they're not just background flavor. They're actual people, and you can talk to them if you want information about stuff. Hold out a bow. Arms, arms. No, okay, never mind. Uh, I I will I will see whether there's somebody appropriate around. Can I? Uh, can you describe who was immediately around me, or 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 not necessarily all of them, but like tell me who would be the most appropriate person to ask? Yeah, surroundings. Do you want me to do a check? Uh, well, probably Garys would know. Uh, there, there are Garys around. There are uh, what look to be uh, staff of the festival around. They're gnomes that are dressed in full body suits that are um, that have uh, yellow and red stripes on them. It's it's a very vivid, very colorful uniform, so you can sort of tell who around here is working for the carnival. Uh, they are walking around, making sure everybody's okay. Uh, you see a couple of them probably picking the pockets of uh, uh, some of the people who aren't paying attention. Uh, the crowd around the... Um, Wait, the Garys are picking pockets? No, the staff the at staff, the, right. uh, the festival. They're like um, evil Oompa Loompas. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, at Mogillan's Magnificent Mechanical Marvels, you see quite a lot of kids that are gathered here going, oh, ah, as they see this, this steam engine, uh, as they see the other various uh, electrical technologies that are on display. You see uh, so this group of guys over in a corner, these group of like elves, uh, who are just making snarky comments about how this is useless technology. Like, what's the point of having a steam engine that can travel distances when the world is crumbling away? They're just, you know, over in the corner kind of being jackasses. Uh, all right, I will approach a Gary and uh, pluck at his jerkin. Oi, fella, oi, down here. Hey, 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 hands off. Uh, what, do you, what do you want, Cobbo? I, I, uh, I want to know. I'm looking for someone. I'm looking for a, uh, a very distinctive fella. He's, uh, he's a human man. Um, and he's, uh, he typically wears What, a we helmet. humans all look alike to you, is that it? Of course you do. <laughs> you all look fair like enough. the bottom of someone's chin from down here, mate. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I responded that way. It's been a rough week for me. My dog died. But you don't need to know about that anyway. Let me, yeah, <laughs> let me help you find your fellow. What are you looking for? Oh, thanks, mate. He's, uh, he's... He's a he's a human man, and he he tends to wear um, famously wears helmets with horns on them, and he famously he, yeah, famously. and he 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 loves these. Uh, he's got loads and loads of pets that are like uh, that are basically birds that have heads like deer. Birds that got heads like deer. Yeah, birds that got heads like deer. I think I remember. Yeah, I think I remember my friend Marie talking about something like that. 
I thought she was batshit crazy and she just had too much to drink. But uh, if you want to talk to Marie, uh, she'd be over there at the Northwest Post. So if you want to go, you know, take a listen, ask for Marie. Everybody knows who Marie is. Very kind. Very kind. All right, we'll, we'll head over there then. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Philip. My name's Ginger, by the way. Not that you asked. <laughs> How unkind of us. <laughs> Uh, poor old ginger um, okay well let's let's head over there then to, uh, right. to, to the gary post <clears throat> so you head over to the gary post uh as you uh as you pass the um uh the old town tent uh you hear uh raucous laughter and the sounds of uh sort of folk instruments being played from the inside and as you pass vino's house of scares uh the uh old gnome who's in front uh, seems to uh, see guests that are coming his way. And he kind of, you know, gets up, uh, just his staff seems to be trying to look professional, and then he, you walk past and he looks kind of disappointed. Um, oh. As you head to the Gary Post, uh, you see I'm, it's... I'm really keen for the House of Scares. <laughs> yeah, I'm also keen for the House of Scares, yeah. Uh, you head to the Gary Post... Uh, there are uh, two Garys that are uh, posted outside of it, and there's just a steady stream of them uh, going in and out, uh, carrying various uh, carnival goers who have been misbehaving themselves. Uh, you notice a couple of them walking with this uh, big old, um, uh, this big old human that is just passed out drunk, and they're just carrying him uh, with his arms uh, slung over their shoulders. Uh, you notice uh, they uh, a couple of them that are uh, dragging this elf uh, by his wrists, and he's just like, "I didn't steal from nobody. What are you talking about? I didn't steal from nobody. This is this is illegal search and seizure." Uh, but you you walk up to the the Gary post, and the Gary, the one of the Garys in front says, "Uh, what uh, what can we help you with?" Hello, Ivor. We've just We've lost been his friend. Oh, all right. Uh, has he been uh, has he been drinking too much, or is it the public nudity one? We've got a few in here for public nudity, actually. Did the happen to have a helmet with with antlers on it? Helmet with antlers? No, no, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> okay, hmm. have you seen Marie anyway? I mean, that seems like it would just. Sorry, I just can I say having things on top of your helmet. Right? Doesn't that seem like it'd be super inconvenient? You like you walk into doors, you bang your head on things. You, chandeliers. Like, I'm sorry. This is a thing with me. People that wear hats with things on them. I mean, if you just got a feather, that's not so bad. But horns? I mean, come on. I know. I know. Yeah, you, we don't uh, get it. Either. Have you seen anyone? Have you seen anyone fitting that description today? Uh, no, no. Can't say I have. Sorry. I think we're supposed to ask for someone. Mary. Sorry, correct. Mary Ram? <clears throat> Mary Ram. Mary Ram? I don't know a Mary Ram. Are you talking about Marie? Is Marie is Mary Marie around. <laughs> he uh, he pulls back the uh, the flap the post like <laughs> Marie! It's her accent. Marie! Somebody asking for you. A minute or so later, uh, this big, beefy, burly woman comes out of the tent, basically bowls over one of the guards that's standing there. Uh, you notice she is dressed in the uh, uniform of the Garys. She's got the chain mail. 
and she's got a green sash that she's wearing, which would indicate that she is fairly high-ranked uh, among the Garys. Uh, but she is carrying a mug in either hand, and she's kind of double-fisting as she walks out there. So that sounds like, uh, sounds like your type of uh, What? Who was calling for me? What we got? The pretty cat lady wants to talk to you. Pretty cat lady. Oh, yeah, there you are. What can I do for you? Have you have you seen? <laughs> <laughs> have you have you seen by any chance um, this uh, really weird looking creature uh, that's got the head of a of a what is it stag? Uh, it's stag. Uh, it's it's a bird. It's got massive massive wings, and it's really scary. Ah, that's what I said. It. And she. She kind of flings her arms backward, and the tankards uh, fly out of her hands and uh, into the faces of the guards. Uh, <laughs> the tents. And uh, she throws a massive arm over your shoulder, and she's like, I tried to tell them, and there was nobody listening to me. But I saw these damn things. These damn things. With, with bodies, like big birds, head, antlers, the whole thing. Nobody fucking believes me. Ridiculous. Stupid. Where were these? Uh, where were these birds? Well, I was out walking at night, uh, definitely not drunk, and uh, I was I was you know on patrol, uh, and I, I I may have wandered out the wrong end of uh, of Slicky's tent, uh, and I saw these things. They were they were passing by from the south, heading north, and these things just head with antlers and the wings and the oh. Absolutely nuts. I just, I tried to tell people, but they said I was crazy and I was drunk. I was not drunk. I'd only drunk, uh, you know, I couldn't have had more than 10 or 20 pints or 40 or so. But well, yeah, I'm we, telling we, you, we, I'm not you crazy. Sound, sounds very unjust when people su suggested that you might have been drunk after only drinking that amount of pints. Um, I know, and it's such a stereotype. People think that, you know, just because I'm, you know... <coughs> you know, uh, cool that I drink, but that's not true. Prejudice is a terrible thing. Uh, where did uh, where did these bird deer go? Oh, I don't know. They they flew off. Uh, seemed to be heading from south to north. Uh, maybe they were coming from uh, Madame Green Bear's tent. You know, she's really something. Have you seen her yet? No, Where's Madame? Hope? Yeah, yeah she uh, she she told me. She was able to tell me that, that my girlfriend was going to break up with me. And then I went home to my girlfriend and I confronted her about it. And she broke up with me. That woman is amazing. She knows things. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, um, bloody hell, you Garys, you're pretty, you're quite into oversharing, aren't you? Um, <laughs> go... go Go and have a drink with Ginger over there. His dog's just died. You two could probably do... Oh, that. Gingy! Gingy! Oh, oh, I miss Gingy. I'm going to go talk to Gingy. Yeah, All cheer right. each other up. Sound, sounds right. Yeah, okay. You're Double okay, two. little small strange person. Thank you, terrifying, inebriated force of nature. Um, yeah! She, uh, <laughs> she spins around, and uh, with a, a thick finger, she uh, uh, pokes uh, Shaxx in the nose, and she says, huh, that's cute. Uh, and then she uh, starts walking <laughs> off across the the carnival. I believe this she's was... available, Shax. No, thank you. Oh my god, no, fuck no. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> For the record, this behavior just sounded like really, really drunk English women on night out. <laughs> <laughs> accurate. Yes, as an English person, that is absolutely accurate. One of the oh, joys God. of being British. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm too old. I haven't been out in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm too American. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I used to do photography at clubs, so I had a fair share. Ah, I see. I see. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right, then, you say? Private. <laughs> we, uh, we've been. It, the suggestion is that we go to uh, Madame Thingy Watsit's tent, the little one down south of Slickies. She, she called it there. Madame Green Bear's, uh, Madame Green Bear's tent. Yeah, the Green uh, Bear's tent. Yeah. The MDB. So I'm happy with that. Let's go to the MDB. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, you pass around Slicky's old town tent. Uh, as you go, uh, you see a couple of drunks uh, get tossed out on their ass, um, and they try to rush back in. But this uh, this big uh, half orc of a man just comes out and just shoves them bodily uh, back on their butts uh, in the grass, uh, and just kind of stares at them until they, they go away. And he calls out after them, No roughhousing in here! This place is fun! Uh, and then he goes back inside. Uh, but as you, you pass the tent, uh, you come around to uh, a bit of a smaller attraction. You, you see other tents uh, also <laughs> nearby to it, but this one is sort of the biggest and the most lavishly appointed. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a half tent. So you see <clears throat> the canvas walls, you see they are uh, lined with Shelves that have all manner of weird and curious objects on them. Uh, roots that are twisted in strange shapes and glowing crystals. Uh, and then you see uh, a table with a, a cloth and a glowing uh, crystal ball on it. Uh, and then you see a woman, uh, not, a, not a gnomish woman, actually. Uh, you see a, a woman uh, with uh, deep red skin uh, and curving horns. Uh, jutting from her head, and you see a tail uh, swishing around her her legs. Uh, she is older. Uh, you notice uh, just wrinkles on her face and, and her lips kind of uh, curve into like a half frown almost on one side. And she says, Ah, visitors to my tent of fortune telling. Welcome, welcome guests. Come. I shall share with you what you can find in your future. Were you expecting us? I was. I was expecting you. I foresaw this handsome young man, this most interesting young woman, and this uh, most eligible merchant fellow. And uh, and Snowglobe here. What about him? He's a famous playwright. <laughs> uh, and Wagwar says, "I do play right." <laughs> and Adam Green Bear says, "Ah, oh, you poor soul, to have written a play, and to yet have fallen so low. I sense a great sorrow in your past." It's a, it's a tragic story, actually. He's a, he's a bit of a he's he, he's a he's a bit of a um he's a bit of a fallen fallen hero of the arts. Is uh, is old Wagyar here? 
Yes, indeed. Well, shall I tell your fortunes? It is a gold piece per prophecy. Uh, I'll, I'll step out, but uh, but Wagyar's been bugging us since we got here to have his fortune told, so you could probably start <laughs> with it. What? And, um... Mm. He pays in bits of fluff, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Okay, step up. No, yeah, yeah, go on and tell me, darling, what are you going to tell me? I'll give you one gold piece. What can you tell me? Ah, let us... Oh, my! Yours is a... Yours is a path quite interesting. I see. I see... Oh my, I see a creature, a, an entity, a, 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 a thing that has touched you, unlike any other thing in this world, a being of such, such power, a being whose name begins with uh, perhaps an, an M? No, 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 that's not right. Uh, 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 a Z, but no, indeed not. A G. Yes, yes, I see it. The legendary Kondhauer. Yes, you have been touched by mysterious things indeed. Do you wish to know your future, my dear? Tell me my future, darling. I see. I see this powerful entity descending upon the world. <coughs> Excuse me, frog in my throat. I see a great prophecy coming to pass under your name. I see, oh, a lost love returning. That is, but you doubt me. Have there been so few loves in your life? Quite, quite few, yeah. It will be someone utterly <laughs> unexpected. Someone you did not see coming. Someone whose name... I'm getting a name. Let us see. Oh, I think it begins with uh, an R. I think she's seen most of them coming, so uh, so that should narrow no, it down a or, bit. Or maybe a P. Yes, I think beginning with the letter P, shorter of stature and vicious of temperament. Yes, you have... You have seen this one before, yes? I don't know. Not sure. Mm, carrying a, a, a spiked uh, implement of, of sorts. Spiked what now? A spiked implement. Someone beginning with P? Someone with authority with over you at one point, it seems. What mm. was the name of the guy with the spook celestial and like to fly? Uh, Valior Godson. Yeah, it wasn't him then. Do you know anybody whose names begin name begins with P? No. Is it? I mean, the the creature's name begins with a P, but you know that's the type of creature, right? It's not a name. Yeah, that's a type of creature, the periton. It's not a, not a proper name. And we've no oh, idea. Dear, I'm sure you'll man is. I'm sure you'll figure it out before it's too late. But all will depend on your decision. At the moment, we're light and dark. Combine. That's quite dramatic. Thank you, old lady. Thank you very much, Madam GB. You're welcome, dear. You're welcome. Now, you're sure I can't tell the fortunes of either of you uh, eligible gentlemen? 
I, I I'm not so interested in my future. I'm actually more interested in your immediate past, Madam GB. Um, I've me? Got a, Little old me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i got a gold piece here. I'd like to know if you've seen uh, <coughs> some big birds what have got heads like deer. Uh, no, no, what on earth are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Such a thing could not possibly exist. I don't mean to presume, obviously, such a thing, you know, could exist, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but I've never seen anything like that. <clears throat> never. At all. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, you definitely mm. sound very convincing with that answer. Would you like to make an insight check? Yes. Actually, so can I just read her mind? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, go for it. Yes, thank you. Can you do that? Uh, yes, I can. That's handy. Isn't uh, it? So you go ahead and cast Detect Thoughts. Uh, and as soon as you cast the spell, you something weird happens. I don't think you've cast the spell before, but uh, as your senses extend uh, into the, the, the noisiness of others' thoughts around you, you all of a sudden feel like you're... you're standing on a bench and someone is standing on that bench with you like you're something is crowding you out almost it's a weird kind of sensation but uh you extend your mind to hers and uh you get her surface level thoughts right mm. uh and uh you um her, her surface level thoughts are uh she's feeling panic at the moment and her biggest concern at the moment uh, is she's, she's trying to read you to figure out if you're a threat to her. Right. Okay. Uh, are you going to probe deeper into her mind? Can I do that? that yeah. Too? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, okay. So she's got to make a wisdom saving throw. And that is a six. That's not going to do it. Uh, so as you reach into Madame Green Bear's mind, uh, you uncover sort of the, um, the, the mystery of the strange sensation of being overcrowded. Uh, as you reach into her mind, you feel that her mind is also reaching into your mind. Oh, and that sounds hot. <laughs> uh, you, you realize that um, the spell that you are casting, Detect Thoughts, she is also casting. And while you are reading her thoughts, she is simultaneously reading yours. Oh, um, confusing real quick. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little it's a little whack. As as you I need to you do a saving to, throw, then <laughs> <laughs> she's not probing deeper into your mind. She's just picking up the surface thoughts of you and the people around you. Um, but as you probe deeper uh, into her her mind, her her voice is weird. Like the voice of her thoughts, it's less um than you expected. It's very orderly and very. Um, kind of, um, I don't know it's how to theatrical. say she's, Yeah, it, it feels like there's a show that she's putting on. But, but you gather that uh, from her, the reason she's panicked uh, is because she uh, saw something that she doesn't think she was supposed to see, uh, something that matches the description of the thing that you just said to her, uh, and she is worried that you are the ones who sent the thing. Mm. Okay, fair enough. While they're distracted with readings and such like, well, first can I take a look around now. inside the tent? Yeah, uh, go ahead and make uh, readings. I'm just going to have a, a, 
a look around. Yeah, oh, no what are you looking for? A feather, maybe? An indication that this creature might have been here, or... Um, yeah, go to make an investigation yeah. check. You'll be wanting two of these, because I'm disadvantaged. Yes, sir. Uh, what were you saying, Yana? I don't know. <laughs> okay. 13 and 14, so 13? 13. 13. Uh, you don't see any feathers on the ground in here, uh, but you do notice uh, there is a, uh, a, a portion of the back flap of the tent uh, near the shelves with the, the mystical items on it. Uh, there is a portion of the tent that looks to have been patched up. Like there was a tear that was torn in the fabric. Uh, and then it was uh, recently stitched back together. I'll give um, Cupboard a nudge and nod towards the, uh, the back of the tent. Uh, that's a tent, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only he could read your mind. Uh, I actually can read your mind. I will, uh, I will cast Detect Thoughts on, oh. uh, on Barsias to figure out why he has um, nudged me towards the back of the tent. There are three no, mind readers. Indicated to us. Sorry. There are three mind readers going on right now, and I think all three I of you start getting read mind. <laughs> I think all three of you start getting a mild headache. <laughs> but you you read uh Barsias's mind and figure out why he is indicating you towards the back of the tent. Um Madam Greenbear kind of uh, flinches a little bit and pulls back. And she says, Hey, come on now, that's not nice. Um and you notice her voice is very different. Uh, and her mm. manner has shifted. She's not hunching over so much. She's standing up straight. Uh, she says, I mean, uh, <clears throat> how, how dare you intrude into the mind of Madame Greenbear, fortune teller. All right, Snowglobe, um, can you go stand... This woman's not being straight with us. Snowglobe, go and stand outside the door and, uh, and try and stop anybody else coming in for a little while. We need to talk to this lady. Wagwar looks around and then points at himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, 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 you Wagwar. Yeah. Okay. Outside and, and turns nothing. Around. Nobody comes Unslips. in. Yes. When you figured out, when you finished figuring out Pythagoras's theorem, if you could just make the time to go and stand outside and make sure nobody else comes in, that'd be uh, that'd be smashing. He nods. He unslings his great axe and he turns around and stands guard. Jolly good. Uh, right now, I don't think you're being that straight with us. Uh, Madam Greenbear. Uh, oh, well, what are you talking about? Your voice keeps going weird, and you've got a big rip in the back of your tent, which uh, which could be from uh, a recent uh, altercation exit. with the kind of, yeah, an exit of something that may or may not have looked like a big bird <laughs> with a stag's head, and you're being quite obfuscative, actually, I would say. So uh, how about you start giving us some answers and we'll uh, we don't mean you any harm like right? we're uh, we're concerned citizens isn't it all right go ahead and make the a meantime, persuasion check. in the meantime i give them the the info that i got from the mind probing like tell the Osiris oh. and the goblin telepathically right. what i found out um she uh she sighs uh and she her foot goes uh underneath the curtain underneath the table with the crystal ball in it uh, and she uh, pulls a footstool uh, out from under the table, which she sits on, uh, and puts her hands, uh, her face in her hands for a second. And she looks up at it and she's like, You didn't send that thing after me? What thing? It was horrible. I mean, I heard this tearing sound. I, I, was, I had taken down my tent for the night, 
and I was sleeping and I heard this tearing in the canvas and I looked and there was this monster with, with antlers that was, that was tearing through. And uh, it, it seemed to look at me for a second with this, this malice and this hatred in its eyes. And, and as it did, I, I looked and its shadow was, was wrong. Like it didn't reflect the kind of creature it was. It was like a person was standing there instead of whatever this monster was. Uh, and it, it went to my shelf of mystical items and I had acquired a human heart and it snatched it up and it ran away with it. I, I don't know, maybe it's some kind of cursed thing. I, I swear, it's, it was just a trinket that I picked up. I didn't even know that it was real. Okay, there's a couple of things uh, there. Human heart, shadow like a human. Is that something that happens with illusionary things? Are the shadows well, still true? <clears throat> uh, you can go ahead and make an arcana check if you would like. I can give it a shot. I don't have much in that. Um, the pa- the parrot in in the previous session also took a human heart from one of the from one of the Gestumken flapped people on the ground. It did, but I've got an arcana of three, so <laughs> I won't be adding anything to this conversation. Yeah, this doesn't ring a bell with you, Marcias, but Shax, you do remember that the uh, the periton, uh that you fought. Uh, in the alley behind the Lonely Heart, did indeed tear the heart out of one of its uh, victims and fly yeah. off with it. Nice memory. She's standing um, there, or she's sitting there. She's looking kind of stricken. Where did uh, where did this thing go? Uh, honestly, I was in the moment. I was just afraid that it went away from me. I was I was glad that uh, it hadn't killed me. There was such malice in it, but uh, it. Uh, it couldn't have gone far. I mean, I don't know. It, it must be in one of the nearby, one of the nearby places hiding. Um, she thinks for a second. I guess the easiest place for it to hide probably be either the circus tent or the house of scares. The circus tent. They. I don't know if you've seen the show that they put on, but they have okay. quite a lot going on backstage and in the rafters. Uh, something with wings could hide up there, or in the House of Scares, uh, there's all sorts of old machinery in there that it could hide among, so I suppose either one of those places it could have gone to. But if it left the carnival, I mean, the Garys would have seen it on the streets, they would have killed it, and I haven't heard any reports of that. Well, I happen to think that the House of Scares is an excellent option, because let's be honest, nobody's going in there. It's a perfect place to hide. I personally I mean, think true. that the pie-eating tent is probably the best option out of all of them, but, uh, but I am willing to concede that the House of Scares is a good second choice. That's a good theory. Come Do you want to go buy it? I just thought it sounds plausible that maybe it's hiding underneath a load of pies that we need to eat in order to <laughs> uncover it, but uh, well, I appreciate that not everybody is on board with the lightning-fast speed at which I deduce things. So if you want to go the long way and check the House of Scares first, <laughs> that's fine. That's all right. Are you hungry, Cupboard? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm a seeker of truth, mate. House of Scares it is, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. Um, uh, Wagyar, if you finished, uh, if you finished working out your complex orbital mechanics problem, can you uh, accompany us <laughs> to Veno's House of Scares? I, I don't 
I'm not, I don't have a mechanic company, but I can come with you. That's right. That's right, mate. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. As you just turn and walk away, she's like, oh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, come back if you want to hear your fortune photo. Um, I, I foresee there is a large bird thing in my near future. <laughs> she uh she kind of laughs nervously it's like yeah that's you know probably a safe assumption um but you uh you head back around to the house of scares excuse me sorry uh uh you see that that old gnome uh vino uh walking or standing in front of it again as you come up he, he brightens straightens just his beard oh, just gonna, before we go in the front door can we just do a circuit of the tent. Circuit of, oh. Just have a look at the back of it. Just, you know, go a circuitous yeah. route. Yeah. Uh, you're looking for secret entrances or? Uh, not even secret entrances. It's just that it's obvious it might have got in somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and make an investigation check. Oh, dear. I keep asking you to make the skill checks. Yeah, would you stop that? Because clearly I can't make a skill check to save my life. Um, right. Seven and an 11, so that's going to be a seven. Yeah. And Shaq's uh, even better than me. Shaq's is Shaq's, Shaq's with the natural one. Save the day. Covered with a ten. <laughs> uh, you all you all take a look around uh, Vino's house of scares. Uh, you don't see a um, any particular obvious uh, entries in the side of the uh, the old little shack, the old house. Um, you do notice uh, a couple of uh, young gnomish boys. Uh, that are crouched at the back of the house, uh, whispering to each other. Uh, and as you all uh, come around the uh, back of it, they uh, jump like they're startled, and they start scurrying off. Do you think we should stop them? Yeah, I'd like to catch the one I can. Okay, or you're going to beat up some kids. Going to grab one of the ones as it goes past. Uh, you're going to go ahead and make an athletics check, uh, opposed by his acrobatics check to get away from you. Okay. On you go, Shanks. This is your job. Uh, holy oh, cow. yes! Nice wow. one. That's uh, one. So, so the, kid rolled a, uh, the kid rolled a 16, but you got a natural 20. Uh, so with a natural 20, you snatch up the kid uh, by the arm as he runs past. Oh, come on! I didn't do nothing, man! I didn't do nothing! Are you running away, then? Well, yeah. That doesn't mean I done it. Wasn't my fault. And what? What wasn't and your what? fault? It's just, I mean, you know, you heard the stories. No. What Tell us the my, stories. My friend Timmy says it's nonsense. Of course, he's shit. He ran away. But <laughs> there have been stories going around the carnival that, that the House of Horrors, people have been having, like, people going into it having heart attacks. What? Really? Not all the time. I mean, just some of the time, like, once every week or so. But, like, that's terrible, and nobody believes me. They're all just like, oh, the House of Horrors? That shit hasn't changed in the past ten years. Is the House of Horrors the same as the House of Scares? Yeah, I'm at House of Scares. I'm really scared right now, actually, because I'm being <laughs> held prisoner by three, three or four adults. So, or are you an adult, Mr. Uh, squeaky Voice? I don't know. Why am I mouthing off? <laughs> yourself, Squirt. I'm an adult. <laughs> How do you know my name? <laughs> Like a guess. <laughs> uh, that's a very unfortunate um, name. 
<laughs> that what? is an unfortunate name. <laughs> is, there, is there a back door? What were you doing? There? I mean, we were just we were pressing our ears to it to see if we could hear like monsters or something. Did you? No. But I know something's going on. There's something weird. There's got to be. Why? My friend. Valik. Valik went in, and he said he saw something that chased him. Not like the, the usual crap that you get in this place. And it chased him, and he had to run, but it scratched him. Oh. Listen, I know Valik. He's not, he's not a liar. Like Timothy. Timothy's a liar. But Valik is not. I think we need to go and have a look in the House of Scares. Yeah, I reckon so. Are you scared? Why, why, why uh, did you say people having heart attacks in the house of scares? Well, where did that come from? What's up with well, that? You know, they're just there have been stories that have been going around. Some people have been talking about it. If you talk to people, you'd know. Uh, the bodies get moved out in the dead of night. They they wind up in the local temples with their chests exploded. Oh. <sighs> Chests exploded, eh? Hmm. I'm noticing. Yeah, you know, like heart attacks are. Yeah, famously, that's yep. how heart attacks work. That's exactly how it works, yep. All right. All right, then, Black, <laughs> dear darling. That's, my, that's how my dad says heart attacks work. Is that not how heart attacks work? Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. This and is said, have a heart attack. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're at risk at home at all of any domestic violence whatsoever. <laughs> I think that's you a lot of big words, mister. Yeah. Go on, right, we can. Let's drop the squirt and let's go into the house of scares. Ah, and you, you drop him and he runs off. Okay. Okay. That was quite informative. Uh, that was the most informative conversation we've had in this place yet. That was the best interrogation of a minor that I've ever, con- I've ever conducted, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's just a kid. And it's up against some pretty stiff competition. <laughs> uh, you come around to the front of Venno's house of scares... And uh, the third time that you come around, the uh, old gnomish man kind of looks at you like he's gotten his hopes up twice now. And he's not sure yeah. if you're actually. But uh, seeing you stop and wait before him, he's, <clears throat> uh, looks at his hand. Uh, uh, welcome to Vino's House of Scares, uh, full of spooky mysteries that are guaranteed to set your bones chilling. I recommend against entering if you have an overwhelming terror of the or unknown. Or a weak heart. What? Or a weak heart. Yeah, or, or that. Yes, of course, right? <laughs> I see you've heard the rumors. Yes. Um, the rumors. Can we use some kind of insight here? See if he's knows something that he's not telling us. Yeah, go for an insight check. Uh, insight, let's have a look. Maybe you can ask him a question I can read his mind. Well, I'm just... Ooh. That is a natural <laughs> 20 insight check from Cupboard. Oh, well, little <laughs> goblin. I spend my time staring at my toes. <laughs> <laughs> or his toes. I don't know, someone's toes. <gasps> Whose toes are those? Cupboard, as you, as you watch his, his body language... Uh, you notice that there is kind of a, a, a quivering in his hand. There's kind of a, a slack, uh, slackening motion of his, his face as he, he slurs his words a little bit. Um, it seems like maybe he's not, like, he's not all there. Like, there's, uh, there, he's, he's not 
fully in control of his faculties necessarily. Not in the way that Wagwar is. Wagwar is just a little bit slow. Um, but this this fellow Vino, you get the impression that maybe he's had some kind of stroke or or something. He's had a strong. Okay, I uh, I attack. he doesn't he doesn't seem malicious. Okay, I Shall I um, I nudge the others and whisper first in Shax's ear and then but in Basaya's ear. This fellow's a bit. Uh, he's a he's he's a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic. This fellow, Nothing, something's something's a bit fishy with him. Is it a problem? I don't know. I don't know. Just something's not right. He's not. He's not fit. He's not. Uh, he's not. He's not touched like old uh, Snowglobe here. He's just a bit. It's like he's. It's like he's just a uh, bit old. Yeah, and maybe, but like maybe, <laughs> maybe a bit possessed or like like he's a bit under control or something. It's two silver pieces to enter. All right then. Uh, all right. What, for, for the group? Uh, per person, so eight silver pieces. Bloody hell, Vino, what are you Jesus. trying? Jesus Christ. Are you saving up for a new hip or something, mate? What? No, it's just you got to pay to enter the attraction. That's how carnivals work. That's <laughs> how commerce works. <laughs> All right, well, uh, <laughs> I will pay for uh, myself and the snow globe. All right. Uh, that's four I'll silver pieces. Precise. All right. I only, I only have golden pieces, though. So. Mm -hmm. uh, a uh, gold piece uh, translates to ten silver pieces. All right. So you pay the silver pieces to the man. He's like, "Behold, as you are about to enter a world of uh, and then he just kicks the door uh, open with his boot, uh, and then he uh, slumps back down in his chair, uh, leans forward, starts rubbing the small of his back. Okay. Is it a single file job going through here? Yes. Silver right. piece says he's carved it by the time we finish in it. Then you'll get your silver piece back, won't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Let's find ourselves a big deer thing. Snow globe at the back. Okay. I was about to ask. That, uh, yeah, I knew you were going to need a party order for this. So snow globe at the back. Um, shall I go first? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think Cupboard will valiantly bring up the middle again. Well, there's two middles. Uh, are you the front middle or the back middle? The least dangerous middle. Well, that's the front middle then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll bravely take up the. I'll, I'll, I'll bravely take the hit and take up the front middle. All right. So it's Marcias, <laughs> Cupboard, Shacks, Wagwar. It's always the one at the back that gets picked on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna, we'll let the snow globe do that. Given how pivotal he is, <laughs> and just to be just to be certain, I'm not wearing my red robes today, am I? <laughs> uh, I don't think you are. I think you're no, good. I think you've only got one set of robes. They are. Am, I, wear, am I wearing my brown pants today? <laughs> you will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> you step forward through the door uh, and enter into a. Um, uh, uh, a corridor with wooden walls. Uh, and as you enter in immediately, it just co becomes completely dark. So Barsias, uh, with your, your human vision, you are unable to see. Uh, covered, so, uh, I walk like a blind man tapping my staff. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the ceilings are actually a little bit low for you, uh, about, you know, five and a half feet or so. So you have to crouch over a little bit as you walk inside. Okay. Built for as you enter into the House of Scares, 
Um, it is dark, so Barsias uh, cannot see. Uh, uh, Wagwar, Shax, and Cupboard, the three of you have disadvantage on perception checks while you were in this darkness. I have dark but, Yeah, I can see in the uh, dark. I'm a cat. You can see in the dark. You just have disadvantage on perception checks. Right. So the way dark vision works enough. is, yeah. So the way dark okay. vision works is, uh, Barsias can't see anything. You all, you Got guys that. can still see, but it's it's a little bit dim for you. Um, Makes sense. Uh, but you're walking in. There are these like uh, faintly glowing uh, arrows that are painted on the sides of the walls that indicate, you know, turn here, uh, walk this way. Uh, but as you start to walk through these winding passages, uh, you hear a very uh, staticky, um, uh, old-timey, creepy music come on. Uh, just you know, these ominous, this ominous scritching of, of instruments playing over your heads. The air is very cool. Um, mm. The the air smells mm. of fog. It's 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 sort of a creepy vibe. Um, but it feels less haunting than it does kind of sad. Uh, but as you start to walk through these passages, you turn a corner and then bam, there's a light that flashes in front of you. Uh, and this uh, pop-up of a skeleton uh, just <laughs> flings itself up before you. Um, probably a little bit too slow to be actually startling, but you see this uh, skeleton illuminated by this lamp uh, appear before you, uh, and then the light goes out, and then it's gone. And you keep walking, uh, and there's another <clears throat> sound uh, as uh, another light flashes on, uh, and you see uh, the the shape of a zombie in front of you, uh, lurching towards you, looking for your brain. It, false it, it, scare. It's false scare. Next one's the real one. <laughs> Uh, you uh, pass into another uh, passageway and uh, the music uh, overlapping with it, there's the sound of bat squeaking and the fluttering of little bat wings over your head. Uh, and then you... Uh, Does anyone know the bats don't actually squeak? Um, actually do. They do screech. Yes, kind but of. not that you can hear them. Uh, you wouldn't... Uh, the, the sound design well, guy... <laughs> the sound design guy at this attraction apparently uh, didn't bother to look into the authentic behaviors of bats. But you keep walking through these passageways. Uh, you start getting sort of dim light as uh, heatless torches flicker on the sides of these walls. You begin to see uh, paintings painted on the walls as you walk past uh, of various uh, screaming faces. Uh, some of which are attached to bodies, and some of which are just sort of hovering uh, on the wall. Um, and then you begin uh, under your feet to hear this kind of vibrating sound, which feels a little bit unsettling, if not exactly spooky. Very down and touch the floor. Yeah, you reach down and touch the floor. Uh, it is, you can feel dust on your fingertips as you touch it. Mm -hmm. uh, and just this hard wooden surface, and there appears to be some kind of reverberation <clears throat> uh, going through it. Not particularly strong, uh, just kind of there for effect. Mm -hmm. But you keep on going through this haunted house. It twists and winds mm -hmm. in ways that haunted houses do when there's not a whole lot of real estate. Uh, there are a few more uh, pop-up figures. Uh, you see, You see a lich. Uh, you see uh, a creature that has 
um, sort of long, uh, spindly, uh, bony fingers uh, reaching out towards you. Uh, just sort of a who's who of various undead, creepy things. Yeah, it's 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 not a great experience. You can understand why nobody goes here anymore. I think you need to work on the authenticity a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that you're looking for, that you're on the lookout for as you as you go through here? Well, I can't see a bloody thing, so really I'm That's using true. my ears more than anything else. I'm on yeah. the lookout for a giant bird with a <laughs> 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 I think that's what we had in mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, cupboard and uh, shacks. Go ahead and make perception checks with disadvantage because of the darkness. All right. 11 mm. for cupboard. Um, so with your 11 cupboard, uh, you don't notice uh, any uh, large birds with horns. Um, shacks with your 14, uh, as you're going through here, uh, there is one uh, section of wall where as you look at it closely, you notice something that's so authentic that it probably shouldn't be here. Uh, and oh. you, uh, you know, lean a little bit closer to it and you give it a sniff and you get this irony scent and you realize there's blood on this wall. Like real honest to God blood. She ducky mushrooms. Okay. Um, I'd like to telepathically communicate that to the team, just in case. Okay. Just in case. Is this a violation of my privacy? Well, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I'm not really gonna ask permission. <laughs> uh, Wagwar uh, gasps as you touch his mind. He's been gasping this whole time. He finds all <laughs> the attractions very startling. <laughs> At least someone's enjoying the experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we brought our dependent along. <laughs> I'm glad he's having a good time. <laughs> I've been paying for him all day with his pockets full of fluff. Uh, but okay. yeah, well, you've communicated with me so, that there's blood on the wall, so uh, yep. so I will. Should we investigate that? Yeah, we should investigate the blood. All right, investigation check. All right, with a nineteen. Uh, with a nineteen, uh, it uh, seems to be almost like a spray of blood has been sprayed across this wall. Uh, and as you look at it with your, um, your, your 19 investigation cupboard, uh, you, you notice that the pattern of it seems to indicate that uh, it was sprayed down on this wall from above. Like something just spurted all of this blood, blood from above you. Uh, Oi, gang. This blood looks like it's been sprayed from above. So maybe the bird thing plucks people from down here, takes them up into the rafters, and then takes out their hearts up there. So it sprays down on this wall. I'll crouch and touch the floor, see if there's what I can feel on the floor. Uh, you crouch, you feel on the floor, you can feel uh, moisture mm-hmm. as you lift it to your nose. Well, to be honest, Get that I feel under bare feet anyway. <laughs> I forgot you're in bare feet. Yeah, you can feel you can you can feel the moisture on your bare feet. <laughs> Lovely, yum yum. Yeah, dampness. I'm going to believe in footprints. <laughs> <laughs> Minging bloody. Yep. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to allow those who can see to actually make a decision here. Uh, I reckon. Okay, so we've done that. I will look up above where the 
uh, where the it looks like the blood was sprayed from, and yeah. see if I can see anything above us. Yeah, uh, you look up and you see uh, the roof, which is is still low, so Barsaya still has to crouch. Um, yeah. But in the uh, the ceiling, you can see a, a latch, uh, what looks like a trapdoor. I nudge the others and point at the trapdoor. Do you uh, do you think we should go up there, or or do you want to continue on this thrilling journey? I think okay. it's a better question to ask who is going through the door first. Well, I'm guessing probably probably Wagyar because he's the uh, he he's the uh, well he, he's he's, 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 he's enjoying himself so much that it would be a shame to rob him of whatever thrills are on the other side of that trap door. Oh. I think that's a little unfair, isn't it? Well, you go first. He's got he's got very talkative all of a sudden. <laughs> how about how about we push the latch on it? And I use my staff to push it open before anybody goes and sticks their head through it. That's a clever idea. Okay. All right. Marcias, you raise your staff. You push the, uh, the latch open. This loud creaking sound as this trapdoor uh, opens up. And then a thud as it, uh, you know lands on the uh the opposite side of the i'm not i don't know how to word that but it it opens comes over the top lands with a heavy thud could be no surprise (laughs) there isn't a flurry of squawking shouting anything else uh not that you can hear you can make a perception check Mm, okay um Wagyar, oh. we, uh, we're in need of your astute perception skills um, and your your <laughs> impressive deductive abilities. Can you uh, can you be a deer and just poke your head up through that trapdoor and tell us what you see? Well, I've got a 15 and 19 since I'm disadvantaged, and that gives me a 15. Um, if you're a dis- can't you just not see anything because you're at disadvantage? Isn't it the rest I'm of us? I'm using my ears. Right, okay, sorry. Uh, I'll go ahead and roll for Wagwar. Holy cow. Nice. Um, yeah. He does have amazing perceptual talents. Mm. Apparently so. Uh, so, Barsayas, with your, with your 15, uh, mm-hmm. you don't hear anything. Shax, with your 17, you don't hear anything. Uh, Wagwar, uh, with his 19, he kind of cocks his head, listening. He says, Is it that dog? It's, it's, no. There's scratching up there. Scratching sounds. Can you hear it? Scratching. I can't, but I think I need a light. Okay. What are you going to use to make the light? I'm just having a look at my equipment, which will have nothing of any use whatsoever for any purpose. Um, Except maybe... Candles! (laughs) (laughs) Candles! <laughs> <laughs> I have a tinderbox and I have a torch. There you go. So I think it's time to light a torch. It right, sounds, uh, everybody, it sounds like this. Uh, it sounds like we could probably do with a candle or two here. What do you reckon? Do you have any? <laughs> of course I do. Of course I do. Um, I can't see them on my list, even though I uh, am a candle salesman, which is rather annoying. I don't think you collected enough snot to manufacture any last week. I've got a lamp. 
I'm pretty sure I overtyped candles. I'm pretty sure I. I'm pretty sure there was an option to option to add things, and I overtyped candles, but I can't see it on the list. Um, so, well, um, that's okay. We've got. We've, I've got that. That's fine. <clears throat> okay. Give me just a second. Do 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 do. We're probably going to wind up burning this place to the ground, aren't we? I mean, if it solves the problem. Although we're actually looking for a thing rather than trying to fight a thing. So the lamp. Lamp casts bright light in a 15-foot radius and dim light for an additional 30 feet. Okay. All right, so you have this lamp, and it lights up, and uh, your surroundings become uh, even more obviously uh, not great. Um, the, the wood is cheap. Uh, it's got all kinds of things uh, scratched into it. The paint is faded. Um, this attraction overall just seems to not have been particularly well cared for. You uh, op- turn on this lamp, and the light begins casting uh, beams up into the uh, chamber up above you. Okay. I'm going to go into the chamber above us. All right. Uh, you're... Scramble up. All right. You, you, you clamber up. You're tall enough that it's not going to be hard, but you, you clamber up in there. Uh, you lift up your torch and look around. This uh, appears to be the uh, second floor of the, uh, the, the haunted house. And as you look around, uh, you see all of the, um, the sort of a cardboard projection pop-ups of all the undead things that have been popping down. They seem to be resting up here when they're not you know, down there scaring people. So you can see all of these, these cardboard printouts uh, standing up there. Uh, go ahead and make a perception check. I'm looking for the one that's a bit more three-dimensional than the others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, perception. I keep losing perception. There it is there. And I'm disadvantaged, though, so come give us an... There we go. Not bad. All right. Ooh, 19 uh, as a disadvantage. That's, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, so you look around with your lamp uh, as uh, Wagwar kind of uh, scrabbles up behind you, uh, and you see uh, shapes uh, that move. Uh, you see one that uh, flashes between two of the uh, the cutouts, and then behind you you hear a, a of wind, and you turn and you see something else uh, moving between cutouts, uh, and then a light comes on at the Ooh. far end of the room from you, uh, and the light uh, is uh, silhouetting a humanoid figure uh, with a helmet and two uh, antler-like protrusions coming out of the front of the helmet. Hmm, uh, and a voice, a voice comes from this figure as he says, If you know what's good for you, you'll get the hell out. I think that's where we're going to pick up next time. What? Hit him with my broadsword! Oh, hang on. Ooh, nice! <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wagwar is, is empty of thought because all of his thoughts are in Bringor. Yeah, precisely. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, listeners, uh, for joining us for another week. We will see you back here next week. 